When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Obviously, the Virginia Tech job opened up this morning. I know, you know, we know your history, your dad's history there and and your time there. Just wanted to ask you where you stand in relation to that and, and as the head coach at South Carolina right now, too. Yeah, uh, certainly you hate to ever see anyone uh, lose their job. Uh, so uh, tough from that standpoint. Obviously, I love Virginia Tech. I moved there when I was 10 years old. I, I went to high school there. I went to college there. Uh, I coached there. My parents still live there. So I have special memories of um, uh, my time in Blacksburg, and, and that will always be you know special to me. But uh, this is where I want to be. When I said this was my dream job, uh, I wasn't just saying that to make it sound cool in a press conference or, or to get the job. This is where my wife and I and my family want to be. Uh, we didn't put that sign up over there in williams Bryce Stadium that said, welcome home, just because it was trendy and a slogan. This is home uh, for me. And uh, I want to be the head football coach here at South Carolina. I love working with or working for Ray Tanner and, and Chance Miller. They are fantastic, and we have a an amazing relationship. Um, I love this state. I want to live in this state. I love this city. I want to be living in this city. I told our team a couple weeks ago, my son Hunter, he's in second grade, I guess. I want him to graduate high school from, you know, here in Columbia. And, and this is where I want to be. We're, we're just getting started. Uh, recruiting is going amazingly uh, well. There's a lot of energy about this program right now. There's a lot of excitement about this program right now. Uh, my goal is to bring an SEC championship here to Columbia, and we're just in the beginning stages um, of it. So, no, I'm the, I'm the head coach at, at South Carolina. I want to be the head coach at South Carolina. And, and, and then, you know, probably beyond any of that is we use the word love around here a lot, and I love coaching these coaching these kids and uh couldn't imagine uh not coaching these guys and and uh love what they're about and and love being their head football coach that of course the voice of head coach shane beamer earlier today south carolina weekly press conference uh, this is gc live i'm Wes mitchell he is chris clark as always this show is presented by our good buddy clint hammond of the Mortgage Network, you see Clint's name right above our heads every single day. There you see him on the screen if you're on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter. NMLS number 71597. Email address is C, that's the letter C, Hammond at MortgageNetwork.com. Clint, the branch manager of the Columbia Mortgage Network. If you're in the market for a new home or you just want to see what options you might have out there to refinance and save yourself some money, uh, give Clint a shout. ClintHammond.com, the easiest way to get more information um, on what Clint can do for you. Of course, the big topic today sort of goes a bit beyond South Carolina with Virginia Tech making the move. Um, Most interesting thing about this move uh, with with Virginia Tech firing Justin Fuente, Chris, has to be the timing. Um, 
you know, they, they did not wait around. There's a, I mean, I mean, it's a fact that basically they paid more for the buyout or either um, negotiated um, essentially a settlement, negotiated something here uh, because by the contract, um, the, the buyout was going to drop uh, by what, $2.5 million in about a month. So they went ahead and made the move. Obviously, they went with the thought process of, uh, you know, don't wait until tomorrow. What you, uh, you know, need to go ahead and, and do today. If you already know you're going to make it at the end of the season, go ahead and make the move. So uh, clearly there was going to be speculation. Clearly there was going to be a, nat- a natural discussion about Shane Beamer, whether this job came open now, whether it came open in a month, whether it came open in five years, that was going to be the natural discussion. But before we get to that, that is the big topic of the day. Were you at all surprised to see that headline come across uh, that Fuente is out today? I was surprised just the timing, you know, a Tuesday morning early. Uh, I guess the the timing was interesting, but it, it did call to mind exactly what you said, Wes. And I think, you know, Jeremy Foley, uh, former AD at Florida, you know, had the quote that's repeated a lot when he fired Ron Zook that, you know, what what you're going to do eventually must be done immediately, something like that, kind of a paraphrase. And that's how a lot of administrators have been operating, Wes, because now, you know, first of all, you don't get as much time anyway. Now, Fuente was in, what, year six at Virginia Tech, which is hard to believe that he's that he had even been there that long. Um. So guys aren't getting as long, but kind of the mid-season firing, you see that now. That wasn't really a thing, you know, a while back, and it it's become more and more popular. And one of the reasons is in such a, a hyper-competitive market where there's so much money, you know, involved, where there's so much attention, um, there's competition on the field. There's competition in recruiting and for resources but one area of competition is obviously for coaches. And so, Wes, we've seen guys fired and hired at a school in the middle of the season. You know, Georgia Southern moves on from Chad Lunsford. They're still playing football. They have a new head coach. You know, so not only are guys getting fired, but you're seeing a firing and hiring in the middle of a football season. So strange times, um, but there are a lot of open jobs right now. And there's some other jobs that could open. And so for Virginia Tech, they're probably surveying the landscape. They know they're going to make a change. They almost made a change last year, Wes. They they do go ahead and pull the trigger. And they're probably figuring, let's try to get out in front a little bit in what's going to be probably a very competitive coaching market this year. Yeah, I, I want to circle back to what you just said. Make, make sure we do that, Chris. Remind me, I want to circle back to the timing of all these things and why I think that might be as far as the current landscape that we're in. But I also don't want to get past what is the the primary topic of today's show, what is the, the headline we used uh, for the podcast today. And that is, of course, Shane Beamer's response. Um, very clearly, Chris was prepared to answer that question. Um, you know, he went right into a uh, what was clearly a thought-out response. Um, but, you know, I... It sounded sincere to me that he actually seemed like he was getting a little bit emotional there at the end, talking about the guys, uh, you know, um, 
but you reported earlier today that uh, essentially, you know, this isn't something we were expected to track, that he wasn't going to, he wasn't expected to have any interest in this opening, but it, it is only natural that people are going to connect the dots and he's going to be, if you're putting together, let's be honest, if you're putting together a, I want someone to click on this, um, piece that you gotta I mean you know how it is you, you come out with a basically a hot board they call it and you and I this past off season I mean we're involved in those exact discussions hey man who should I put on this thing who are you hearing who's a rumor let's be honest the first one that comes out is basically who makes sense who where where is there a connection a lot of times now some Sometimes it's one of these things where, you know, a school is making a change and it's almost because they already have their guy. But if there's going to be a true coaching search, I mean, you were you were right there in the thick of it, Chris. You know, I, I was in it as well, but you were definitely deeper into it than I was. You, uh, you know, you get some names, but right off the bat, you don't always get the true names that are going to be deep in the mix of a coaching search. So. But if you're covering Virginia Tech or if you're a national college football person, you have to have a story with some names. Like that, That's just part of the job. So, you know, the people that are really tied in, if you really have the goods, you might, you might have the three or four or five names that are on that initial list. But if you, if you don't, which is going to be most people, you're going to be like, let me list some names that make sense to get this conversation started. Shane Beamer very clearly was always going to be on the list as far as who makes sense. For sure. Uh, sorry, I didn't know if you were done yet. Uh, you, you never can tell with me. I know I just uh, go on and on and on. But. You look like you had just a, another glimmer of a thought there, so I wanted to let you keep going. No, I mean, it, it, look, it does make sense. I mean, there, there's going to be – when there's a family tie to the extent that Shane Beamer has a tie, that's going to be in there. And we also have the background to know that it, it, Wes, we reported a couple of these things even last year, like go back to Carolina's coaching search, which spanned from, you know, November, middle of November last year to early December, the search landed on Shane Beamer in South Carolina, you know, Virginia tech even then was mulling a change. And so Justin Fuente to back up even further, uh, flirted with the Baylor job in January of 2020. That didn't exactly endear him, you know, to people at Virginia Tech. So he's back, doesn't go that great. Change was nearly made last year. And you know this, Wes, from, you know, all the, the assistant coaching searches we've covered, the head coaching searches we've covered. These things, by the time a school makes a change, wheels are in motion, Right. And so there was very much possibility of a change last year at Virginia Tech. So part of that was them doing their due diligence on some candidates. And Shane Beamer was one of those candidates, uh, really, at the same time that he was a candidate for the South Carolina job. So he was a guy that came up then in this coaching search. Maybe he's a guy that, you know, maybe Virginia Tech knows that he has no interest. Maybe they know he has no interest and they're still keeping on board. Maybe he's not on the board whatsoever for a variety of reasons. But it does make sense to put them on there. I think looking back at like the South Carolina search last year, I'm trying to kind of remember our initial process of putting together 
our first few names, our first update, our first hot board. And it was exactly like you said, it was a combination of guys that made sense and guys that we knew were actually going to be involved. Billy Napier was a guy that we knew was going to be involved based on some things we'd heard two years before, you know, that if that job opened, that he was, he would be interested in it. We knew Shane Beamer would be interested and was going to rise. We, we had Hugh Freeze on there because we knew he was interested and we knew that there was a possibility he would come up. Our very first coaching search update early in that process said, Hey, Hugh Freeze. Yeah. Here's his name. Not going to be a legitimate candidate, you know? So there, there are some ebbs and flows to it. South Carolina, coaching search Shane Beamer certainly rose in that one but a guy that you know obviously was going to come up in, in the hot boards the Virginia Tech stuff you're, you're going to have a bunch of names thrown out and he's going to be one he has been one but I think you're going to see a lot of coaches that give kind of that canned answer I'm focused on this team whatever his was genuine and thoughtful but we also know there's substance to it you know we we know that even during the South Carolina coaching search we had enough information that even if Virginia Tech had come open last year, this was the job that Shane Beamer wanted, and he got it. And so there's there's no reason for him to look elsewhere. You know, and I think, Chris, sometimes uh, – and I, I used to maybe think of it this way, that, you know, you, you, don't, you don't want those rumors out there about your, your head coach. You want them – you, you know, if you're a fan of a school, you want them shut down immediately. You don't want – you know, you don't want it hurting recruiting. You don't want guys thinking – Oh, this guy's leaving. It is now such a part of the sport and assistant coaches bouncing around, um, you know, head coaches being being fired so quickly. I actually think in some ways it is a positive. If if you want your coach to stay and you know he's not going to leave anyway, it's actually kind of a good thing for Beamer to be able to say, Oh, I'm not going anywhere and like double down on on the things he likes about. It's an easy, it's an easy headline. It's an easy soundbite. It gets you a little nat- uh, national interest. And hey, this other school was interested in you, interested in you as a head coach. Like I, I personally don't think it's a bad thing at all for South Carolina to have other programs, even if it is mostly because of the natural connection here and the fact Beamer understands the VT program probably as well as any coach in America. I mean, as far as the inner workings, probably knows all the people that are involved, uh, you know, behind the scenes, stuff like that. So, yes, there are natural reasons for it, but most people don't really care to dive into all that. All they see is, hey, this guy, you know, this opening has – they have him on the list. So – to, to me, that that's that's always a positive if people want to hire your people. Um, if nobody wants to hire your people, that's actually a bad thing. <laughs> that's right. It's a very bad thing. Very. So, um, I, I want to get back to the timing of this, and then I want to get into why or, or what the effects of this opening will have on South Carolina beyond just the obvious of what we're talking about, which is obviously that Shane Beamer is going to be mentioned. I, I imagine, Chris, this part goes away pretty quickly. Beamer, uh, you know, as, as some folks on here said, he, you know, every coach gives a, a comment. It doesn't always mean anything. Coaches deny things. But I, I really feel like it, it was a pretty definitive answer 
as far as what he said. And, you know, I, I think he'll probably get asked about it, what, on the SEC teleconference tomorrow? Because people like to hear themselves talk and ask questions. Like, everybody everybody can pull the same clip that he gave today. Right. But some media person will want to hear themselves talk and will ask about it again. Um, past that, I think it's, it's probably – Probably dis- disappears. There may, you know, Chris, there may be someone to mention, you know, in, in the Virginia Tech reporting, we may hear, somebody may report Virginia Tech is seeking information on Shane Beamer's interest, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that may pull his, that may pull his name back into a headline or two, but for the most part, I would imagine this sort of disappears. But, I think it's interesting how ADs and athletic departments are trying to navigate the new realities of roster building and roster management. And that includes two things. The fact that you you now have an early signing period that was not the case um, five, six years ago. And you also have the transfer portal. So you're sitting there, the coaching changes used to be later, and some sometimes your coaching change actually is after a bunch of guys have already signed in the early signing period. Sometimes it's right before, so you're sitting there scrambling before the early signing period. And as we now know, it is easier than ever for kids to be like, all right, coach is gone. I'm, I, I'm out of here. So – I think what Virginia Tech is doing is basically trying to get that head start. Some of it is you're trying to go ahead and get get a head start for to go get the guy you want. But part of it is most guys, if they're playing, if they're like big parts of your program, they're not going to just transfer with a couple of games left. Like they're not going to enter the portal with a couple of games left. Go ahead, get your head start on making the higher so that these kids know who they're going to be playing for next year. I believe those two things more than anything have changed the approach on when you fire and when you hire coaches. It's it's a great point. And, and while you were saying that, Wes, I was kind of taking in what you're saying and thinking about some other things too. A college AD right now, man, woo, hard job. Because, and this has nothing to do with, you know, an AD at some school that has a great performance or a poor performance. It's just, it's a tough job. It's tougher than it was 10 years ago. Uh, Two of the reasons are the ones that you laid out. You also have NIL, which is, is something that has completely befuddled a lot of people, whether it's coaches, administrators, fans, whatever. Um, That's a new layer. You have the fact that um, now you, you're you're really having to fight like the TV and the fridge and the AC more than ever because everything's televised. And so, you know, you're having issues with attendance at places, particularly if you're not very good, then it's even worse. Even, even places that are really good have had some attendance issues. Um, so you've got all that and more, you know, in this very, very different and changing landscape. You also, by the way, have the fact that people can, you know, berate, call all these different things on social media or, or get information 
you know, the the public and the fan has much more of a voice than they used to even. And, and all of these things are reasons why there's less and less patience on the parts of ADs, because guess what? If they don't make a change, the next change that's going to be made is their job. We just saw Blake James at Miami get pushed out. You know, so there's not a lot of patience for coaches and not a lot of patience for ADs. And so this has made it very difficult, you know, for for them to operate in some ways. It's, it's made it much more of a challenge. So I agree with you on the points in terms of why that's accelerated the time frame. Now, there's some counterpoints that some people could make. Well, if you've got a good recruiting class and you wait, basically you're kind of trapping the kids, right? Mm-hmm. But that is a point. Uh, but but there are a lot of reasons, including definitely the ones that you mentioned, to go ahead and, and get it done, and that's why we've seen that. Well, and Virginia Tech doesn't necessarily have a top five recruiting class right now that they're trying to hold on to for, for dear life by, by any means. And, yeah, I, I was – I mean, use the word that I was going to use, man, patience. There's not much patience from ADs because there's not much patience from fan bases. And, you know, I'm not – I'm never going to be a blame the fans guy. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you you already you already see it here. I mean, Shane Beamer is in year one. And, you know, pe- people – even if, even if you think there needs to be assistant coaching changes, like if you think he needs to get rid of his O.C., um, people aren't even willing to give him time to actually see if he does it or not. Like, you're not you're not gonna get rid of your OC right now because who, what, who, what, what is the upside of that? Who's gonna go call plays like that? You, you're you're trying to get to bowl eligibility, and changing the OC now really doesn't upgrade your opportunities of doing that. So even if you think there should be an OC change at the end of the year, um. And I mean, I'm I haven't defended the offense. Like I think the offense has been um, not up to par. But if you think that's the case, at least give the man a chance to to see what he's going to do. Um, so to me, that's the example of a lack of patience. Like everybody's not everybody. That's that's not fair. Strike uh, strike that. I'm not saying everybody, but some people are already like, well, if he doesn't get rid of his OC, it's never going to work. Well why don't we wait and see what he does? Yeah. To me, that's the example of the lack of patience that I I see from people. And I know everybody wants to win. And part of it is it is um, boosted by the fact that South Carolina fans have watched some really bad offenses for, uh, for most of the last six years. So I, that is not lost on me at all. That is not lost on me at all, but still, um, in my opinion, in my opinion, Beamer has taken some of the flack, some of the negativity as a carryover from what people saw by the previous staff. It's a form of um, and I don't mean to be and this is really the only term I can think of. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but it's kind of like a PTSD, a sports PTSD type of thing, you know, where here we go again. And so not only the past few years, but the Gamecock fandom in general, you know, I think people um, who are long timers have seen that. And you've got you've got that dynamic. And you also have some people that might have onboarded Wes in the good in the golden years, you know, 10 through 13. And they're sitting there going, wait a minute, what is this? And the old timers are like, this is most of what we (laughs) you know, this is most of what we've seen. We would like to get out of this. So. Yeah, it, it is. The funniest one to me is it, there's, so there's two things. Don't don't say 
I, hey, as a fan, I recognize that Shane Beamer needs three or four years and then call for him to be fired after half a season or game two, which I actually heard this year. You know, I, I mean, you, you can't you can't do that. You can't. It's not fair to him to say he won't make he won't make changes. How do we know that? If he doesn't and you think he does you, he, that he needed to and he doesn't. OK, criticize, you know, criticize then have an opinion then. Let's not get pre-mad about things that may or may not happen. You know, there's enough madness. There's enough vitriol, anger. Let's let things happen, and then let's form an opinion on those things. So, you're right. Offense hasn't been good enough. Whole nother discussion. Not even sure how we got on that. But, you know, microwave, the, the microwave factor is a big one for coaches, for ADs, for fans, all that stuff. Yes, well, you know what? We'll Beamer's going to evaluate those things after the season. I I promise you, they they will be evaluated. He will have decisions to make. But let's wait two games and see. And they they still. I said this yesterday, man. I just I got a feeling this is going to be a tight game against Auburn. I I, I think there. I'm going to say it happens, but I think there's a solid chance this team gets to six wins. I can't tell you how it's going to happen. I can't tell you which one of the two they're going to win, but. These are not two programs rolling in these final two weeks that have played exceptionally well either. So we'll we'll see. All right, so Virginia Tech effect on South Carolina goes beyond the just initial, hey, are they going to try to hire Shane Beamer? Hey, is Shane Beamer interested? That conversation. You always look at a school's commitment list. And in this case, there are a couple of guys that are worth mentioning when it comes to South Carolina, the, the biggest one, one, one of them is more just sort of speculation department. The other is in reality. And, and that's with DeAndre Martin. This is a defensive tackle kid that's committed to Virginia Tech. People will remember, most of you will remember if you follow recruiting, that DeAndre Martin committed to Virginia Tech uh, earlier this year in the offseason, had a final two of Virginia Tech and South Carolina. He had visited South Carolina a couple times, obviously had visited VT and ultimately went with Virginia Tech. Now, I I would say there's probably a better chance he ends up in South Carolina's class, if you look at it right now, than he does in Virginia Tech's. I had been hearing some rumblings even before the VT move. Now, obviously, some of that, Chris, I believe, was probably spurred on by the fact that there were rumors and rumblings that Fuente was going to be let go. But still, um, he has set an official visit for South Carolina this weekend. As of right now, Tuesday afternoon, this is the lone official visitor for this weekend. But I, I would expect South Carolina to exit this weekend as the potential leader for DeAndre Martin. I, I don't know if he's going to you know, necessarily flip right off the bat or not, but maybe, maybe he wants to see what VT does. But I, I think this actually does set up pretty well for South Carolina. This is a kid they seem to like in, in camp. Had a big camp season. Added offers from Tennessee, Virginia as well. Obviously, Virginia Tech because he's committed there. Florida State. So, ha- had a great offseason. And uh, South Carolina, as we know and as we've reported, wants to continue to add as many defensive line guys as possible. Yeah, it was kind of an odd recruitment when you look back in the summer, Wes. You remember – you know, had that camp performance. We were there that day. Martin's a really interesting prospect to back up before we even get into that recruitment. You know, he was a guy that did play high school football in North Carolina and was like a wide receiver 
put on, I think, 40 to 50 pounds in about a year, moved to the defensive line, moved up to Virginia at Life Christian Academy, and then hit the camp circuit. So to some degree, kind of under the radar, did add those offers, right? And so he's a kid that's kind of raw in some ways, but has some has some size for sure and some interesting physical tools. And so he had the camp performance. Things seemed pretty positive for South Carolina around that time. Then he was back on campus for a recruiting event. But very, very soon, what was it, the next day, next couple of days, Wes, committed to Virginia Tech. And they had kind of been eyed as, despite the interest in South Carolina, the leader, maybe staying close to where he was in high school at this point. Uh, but, you know, the communications kind of continued there and really, really heated up as of late. So South Carolina did add, you know, they've added some defensive tackles in this class. Obviously, they added uh, out of Fort D, you know, added a defensive tackle from in-state there recently um, in Demetrius Watson. But like you said, still looking for some other bodies up front, whether it's edge guys or interior type guys. And Martin is someone that now is is certainly a big storyline to watch. Yeah, just one of those funny recruitments, man. Like you said, played, I mean, not not many guys out there that played wide receiver and are ultimately going to be a defensive tackle. I, I was actually reading the scouting report from one of the Virginia Tech rivals guys earlier this year who saw him play, and he said, look, you know, you, you can at times tell this is a kid who is playing like 80 pounds over what he was playing – Two, two years ago, three years ago. So there's still a little bit of just getting used to your body type, right? Um, now, I, you know, I, I take what we saw at camp a little bit, not with a grain of salt, but you have to put it in perspective is the best way to say it because he is a post-grad guy. He, he was going up against kids that are a bit younger than him. Now, he was dominant in, in that setting when we saw him. He was kind of uh, – t- he, he was the most impressive prospect for that little bit of camp that we were watching when he was here at South Carolina as a defensive lineman. So again, I, I hate, we, I feel like we, like all media people overuse the word interesting or intriguing and all that stuff. You know, he's an interesting prospect, he's an intriguing prospect, but um, hopefully we at least explained why he's, he is a different prospect in that you have seen guys like that in the past who play at a, you know, Jordan Strong is a walk on, as a safety, but he keeps adding weight and ends up being a very effective defensive end edge prospect because he's able to keep a good bit of his quickness at that size. So, and this is even a little bit different because DeAndre Martin's going to be an inside player at the next level. But obviously, a guy South Carolina has wanted, they've stayed in touch with, and we'll see. But now, officially, I think at the very least we can say he's one to keep an eye on again, to start tracking again, and, and that's what we're doing on GamecockCentral.com. The other kid, I think the one that would really get fans excited about would be Ramon Brown, the running back, four-star kid. Took an official visit to South Carolina earlier this year. I would say, honestly, man, was one of their – he seemed to be one of their priority, priority running back targets early on, took the OV, had Carolina in the top five. They worked really, really hard to, to make that official visit happen. Great response from him, great reviews from him on that official, but ultimately goes with Virginia Tech. He's from Virginia, 
there were some ties there. I, I think he's good friends uh, with another kid from his area that's committed to VT. Just kind of, I, I think, went with the, the school that he was most comfortable with. You start looking, Chris, some of the other schools that were involved. Penn State now has two four-star guys committed. West Virginia has a four-star kid from Georgia and Justin Williams. I actually liked him a lot. Um, you know, Maryland was involved earlier, but South Carolina, I think right now we're kind of speculating a little bit. We do know that um, Montario Hardesty was scheduled to go see him during the bye week, went by his school in Virginia. So we know there was at least some, like South Carolina was still putting in the, the work, putting in the effort there. We'll see if he becomes one that that fits in that same category with DeAndre Martin as being more like, okay, we definitely need to be tracking this guy. Or if it was more just, hey, this made sense, but nothing really materialized. Yeah, we don't. We it's not as advanced, you know, at this point as the DeAndre Martin recruitment is. And Ramon Brown took that official over the summer. Um, those programs that you mentioned obviously involved their West, and I think if I'm recalling correctly, you know, Virginia Tech obviously won out. I think it was Maryland who was the other program that was kind of being tracked as the either potential front runner or the second place, you know, team going into that announcement. So clearly a kid that, you know, South Carolina was the outlier in terms of distance, you know, as far as that, it was the, it was the outlier in the geographic region. Everything else was DMV, West Virginia, you know, Virginia Tech, Penn State. The programs that are more in that mid-Atlantic or, or Northeast region were after him. And those are the ones he was mainly considering, but had a good trip. And so it will be interesting to see, Will there be any further movement here? We don't really know yet. You would think that Maryland is calling around on Ramon Brown right now. You know, Penn State, like you said, probably full. But there are probably some folks checking on Ramon Brown, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's any further progression here, anything else to track. And we'll certainly, you know, continue tracking it on GamecockCentral.com. Yeah, one of the best nicknames as well, Razor Ramon Brown. Um Telling you that that dude's good. I, I, rem, I actually remember. I think we flipped on his highlights on the show, and I hadn't really watched him, and I was just reacting live. And I was like, "Good grief, this kid is a stud." Obviously, Carolina does not have a back committed right now for this class, so he he would fit. He would fit what you're looking for, a hundred percent there. All right, let's circle back. I, I guess Chris to the press conference. It kind of did get what over overridden a little bit by by just um you know the, the vt talk and the virginia tech opening really was the biggest story today in, in college football um matter of fact you know what before we shoot back to this game south Carolina auburn i did think it was interesting when you mentioned you know fuente was there for six years he he was hired when muschamp was hired at south carolina because these two openings were in parallel with one another. And Fuente was one of the names never really appeared to get traction at South Carolina at the time, but was kind of thrown around on the message boards a little bit, speculated, you know, about was probably on an initial hot board just because he was doing big things at Memphis. Mm -hmm. You had to mention him. He was one of the hotter names at the time. It's kind of interesting to me, Chris, looking back, at some of the names that were available then, some of the names that were thrown around, some of the names that were actually firmly in the mix. Tom Herman, of course, 
was the initial name for South Carolina. He was the can't-miss guy. This guy cannot lose. Right. He ends up getting the Texas job and it is out. You know, he he's fired. He's let go this past offseason, um, the same offseason that the Will Muschamp is. The, the next name, Kirby Smart. He obviously gets hired. You know, that that's a story right there. Somebody should write a book um, and confirm some of the rumors about how that went down. But Kirby Smart probably was going to be South Carolina's hire. Georgia steps in. They get rid of Mark Rick. They hire Kirby instead. The rest is history. Kirby still sitting on solid ground. Now, he took over a, a program in, in pretty good shape compared to the others, let's be honest. But, you know, Fuente, I, I'll be honest, I felt like that was a great hire for Virginia Tech. I thought it was a great fit. I didn't know necessarily if he'd be a great fit for South Carolina. You're going to have to recruit very well in the SEC. But I was like, for VT, this is probably a pretty good deal. That hire does not work out. Will Muschamp hire, as we know, did not work out. Um, Willie Taggart's name was thrown around. He uh, obviously did, did not work out. Ends up going, uh, ends up leaving Oregon. Ends up at FSU. Very quickly let go there, and um, you know, so that that didn't necessarily work out. So it's 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 interesting to see what the perception was of all these coaches. And the jobs that were open either in parallel with South Carolina or within a season or two with Carolina and how the hires worked out. And a couple more, uh, Wes, to add on. Sonny Dykes, another one at that time. He's done a really good job. Um, and uh, Rich Rodriguez, of course. You remember that saga. You know, uh, now at, I think, Louisiana Monroe. Spent a couple more years at Arizona as the head coach moved on to Ole Miss. And then uh, moved on to Louisiana Monroe, where he's been for for this season. So yeah, some really interesting names. Fuentes had that was that was an interesting with Justin Fuente. You know, he was the offensive coordinator under Gary Patterson at TCU, and it kind of built his reputation up. And if you'll remember, Wes Dabo Swinney from Clemson interviewed mainly two guys for that offensive coordinator position when he let go Billy Napier, now the head coach at Louisiana. And the two names were Justin Fuente and Chad Morris. Swinney ultimately went with Morris, which was a good move, of course, <laughs> at that time. Um, changed the, the landscape of their program along with some other things. Fuente ultimately goes to Memphis. He did a fantastic job there, no doubt about it, and, and kind of was a hot name. The, the thing about – I've seen some stuff written, just remembering back to some stuff written about during the time of the Will Muschamp search, the 20 – you know. 15 coaching search, 2016 coaching search and some stuff written since then. And a lot of people say, well, they chose Will Muschamp over Justin Fuente or, or, or Fuente turned down the job, whatever it may be. Like you said, he never was high on that list. A lot of people thought he should have been, but he really wasn't. And the thing that came up most often, Wes, with Fuente was can he recruit? That, that was the, the worry and we saw some of that at Blacksburg, which is a different place. It's different recruiting up there. But that was a common complaint up there, what was the recruiting, and would that have been the case here? One more thing before you, I'll let you jump in, Wes. You think about the Kirby Smart era, and obviously Kirby Smart, there's a pretty good argument to be made that had Georgia not made a move, let's say 
Georgia had just won the national title or something, or they weren't ready to move on from Mark Rick. They refused to move on. Would probably have been gotten the job at South Carolina. I mean, he, he was going to be the guy. Georgia stepped in. That's his alma mater. They did not want that to happen, and, and the rest is history. I kind of think about that. Obviously, Will Muschamp was let go after the 2014 season in Florida. Um, let's say Kirby gets the job at South Carolina in 16 and Muschamp's at Auburn. I'm pretty sure Will Muschamp would have been at South Carolina as the defensive coordinator under Kirby Smart at that time, which would have been very interesting. Very interesting. So a lot of little moves there where you kind of wonder, how would this have worked out? Or what if this little thing had, had happened? Interesting stuff. Well, and basically Will Muschamp was destined to at one to one day live in Columbia, South Carolina, <laughs> one way yes. or the other. Yeah, because you'll remember the year before the message boards, Chris, were on fire. That was fun. Yeah. About the fact that Steve Spurrier, according to triple, triple secret sources, was going to hire Will Muschamp to come in and fix the Gamecocks defense. And that was one of the weirdest stories I've ever covered in that I still to this day have no idea what was real and what was a fantasy made up in people's minds about the chances that Muschamp um, was going to come here, whether he was pursued. He obviously ended up being Auburn's defensive coordinator. but And and what that would have looked like. What, what would have happened? There's a what if, man. What if Will Muschamp comes in, Steve Spurrier is the head coach. He turns the defense to Will Muschamp. The defense gets fixed in 2015 instead of being an absolute disaster. Who who knows what happens then? There's still the matter of the offense in 15, wasn't? Now, now yeah. once once the changeover was made, you know there there were some there were some moments there. Yeah, it was the 2014 offense that was really good. And the 14 defense was very poor. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, it is fascinating. That that's a story. That that's a story, Wes. There there's some things we've been able to as time has elapsed, we've gotten the full story. I'm with you. The the whole Will Muschamp saga that year. I can't say I've gotten the full story. I've gotten I've definitely gotten versions. I've gotten versions. There's no consensus yet. That seems to be a good off-season story, actually. I think that's a good off-season story. Um, some people will just say, I'll just move on. But I think it's pretty interesting. I, I think, think it's a fun story, man. Um, so there, there were three different opportunities for Will Muschamp to end up at South Carolina, basically. At least. And... <laughs> Wes, another Muschamp thing. This isn't as much Columbia, but he could have been. Well, Muschamp interviewed for the Clemson job back in the day when he was the Texas defensive coordinator, I think, at the time. Yeah. The job that – I think it was at the job when it ultimately went to Dabo Swinney. I think it was at that time. So, And did, didn't Frank Beamer interview for the South Carolina job way back in the day? Frank Beamer did. Uh, Tommy Bowden did. Tommy Bowden did an interview – uh, with um, Tiger Illustrated at one point. This was several years back. They went and visited him, and 
Tommy Bowden mentioned that uh, he, he had been at Tulane and done a really good job there. And he had gotten some interest in the offseason. And he, he had talked to Mike McGee at South Carolina. And he had talked to Clemson. And basically his view was he thought that Clemson was a better job and, and went with that. Not that he was – I don't know that he was offered the South Carolina job. Um, but that was his view. So that that's interesting for sure. No doubt. So, yeah, all right, y'all. We're going to get back to 2021. November 16th, as opposed to the past. Chris and I will get off on, on tangents from, from time to time. But presser today, any, any, anything else, man? Anything that caught your attention? Anything that caught your eye? No, you're not allowed to say no. When I say anything, you've got to come up with something. Um, I, I will say this, not, not that it was at all. It's probably not even news at all. But But Beamer definitively sort of saying, Hey, Jason Brown's starting quarterback. Zeb's available. Jason is the guy. And even sort of actually pointing out a couple of the things that Jason pointed out to us on Monday that he was focused on, but then defending Jason Brown a bit as well and some of the plays that he did make and the fact that he still does add a dynamic to this offense that I believe was lacking before. And if they can clean up just a couple of those issues that we saw come out this past week then th- there are still I believe some things this offense will be able to do in the final two games with Jason at quarterback and Beamer was also asked about did he think Jason Brown would use his final year of eligibility and I I I didn't actually hear that part of the press conference I'm reading from the updates I don't know if you heard did you hear that part Chris I did um, do you remember exactly what Beamer said I can't quote the verbatim quote because it was a uh, it was kind of long. I was being a smart aleck, but he he um yeah he basically said that you know paraphrasing of course when when the time's appropriate they would talk about that. But from his understanding, from Beamer's understanding, Jason would like to come back for another year, and of course does have that other year. So uh, he kind of went off and kind of spoke in generalities about how look there's a handful of guys or some guys on this team that are super seniors. They don't have another year. There's a fairly decent group of guys who are seniors this year, but can come back for another year. Uh, Josh Van would be an example of one of those West who, you know, if he opted to, he would have another season. So basically kind of just said, Jason falls in that category. He, I don't know if he mentioned Josh Van. EJ Jenkins is another one. There are a bunch of guys on this team that in the off season, they'll have those conversations about what's best for them. What's best for, you know, everybody. And then move from there. But that, he he did come out. He he didn't say, "Well, I don't know. We'll address that at another time." He did say, "My understanding is Jason would would like to come back, but we'll we'll talk about that later." And that was a question, I believe, by a lot of people. Was you know what what were Jason's plans? The first question was, "Did he have another year?" Which we've answered many times that he does, thanks to uh, the way they handled the COVID year, but. That's interesting, and I still think any any decisions like that, Chris, as we can well tell people, a guy, and I'm not talking about Jason, I'm just talking about high, or college players in general, a kid can change his mind eight times by the end of the year about whether he plans to be there or not. How, how many times early, especially for freshmen, hey, this guy's going to transfer, that guy's going to transfer, it, and then it doesn't happen. Like, it, you know, or a guy's happy and then, Things don't go well down the stretch, and they say, screw it, I'm out. This is not for me. So, you know, those things change a lot. I I think if I'm Jason Brown, the way the season was going for the first 
what six games or something. I'm I'm probably looking for my next opportunity. The way things have gone the last two and a half weeks, I'm sitting there saying I could be the guy next year. So all that stuff play plays a factor, and we'll we'll certainly see what happens these last two games. Um, Erlen says, won't surprise me if Van declares for the NFL draft. You know what? That would not surprise me either, but also I will say this. it I've heard from a couple of different places that that is not a foregone conclusion at all. That it is not a lock that Josh Van is, is going to leave this year. He has another year. He will very seriously consider coming back to South Carolina from everything that I've heard. Um, now, that doesn't mean he is. It's going to be a decision. The decision has not been made. But the possibility is there that Josh Fan is back. And, and obviously would be that would be huge for the offense as far as having your, your, best, uh, your best playmaker in the receiving game back. Um, but, yeah, man, other, otherwise, in the press conference, I mean, they talked about stopping the run. But that, as Beamer said, I mean, that's every week, man. You're going to face – you're going to face a top guy every single week almost in the SEC. This week there's a little inch, you know, a little extra storyline cuz it's Tank Bigsby. We should we should have the we need to get the real Tank Bigsby story as well. How close was he to actually announcing for South Carolina? We should do an NIL deal with Tank Bigsby just to get the exclusive um there you go. The exact yeah, the exact uh what happened there. Um, some talk about TJ Finley. We talked about that yesterday. Um, just the, all the weird interconnecting storylines there, but not, I mean, not really a whole lot extra. Yeah. Not a lot of extra, um, you know, nice things to say about Mike Bobo and all that kind of stuff. So there are, there are a lot of, of angles there and a lot of, you know, interesting kind of little sub storylines. I thought the the, the, the TJ Finley thing where Shane Beamer said he looked like Jamarcus Russell, I think he meant physically, but certainly when TJ Finley was playing for LSU last year, he looked like Jamarcus Russell in terms of performance as well against South Carolina. So he that's like what, college Jamarcus Russell. College, right. Yes. Let's yeah. College Jamarcus Russell. So let, let's, uh, I think the main, the big thing for South Carolina will be to not, let him look like that again, you know, and, and a big part of that. And we said this yesterday too, Wes, a lot of LSU success last year and why it made things easier on TJ Finley when he was at LSU is they ran the ball so effectively in that game, different coaches, different scheme, different players. But we know that Auburn is going to look to establish the run, you know, with, with Tank Bigsby, their other backs and with Mike Bobo's coaching style. So that's going to be priority one for South Carolina is to get them into some, situations that make have the potential to make TJ Finley uncomfortable. Certainly, man. Uh tell you what, uh, that, that's about it for today's show. But Chris, um are you rocking your dead soxy socks today? We do we do honesty on this show, Wes, and right now I don't have the dead soxy socks on, but they will be on later this week. Uh tomorrow, Thursday. We'll be rocking the dead soxy. D E A D S O X Y dot com. Go there, check out their extensive catalog, men's, women's. You, you can go to Dead Soxy's website and you will find some socks that you like. I can just about guarantee it. You can also get 25% off your entire order when you go there by using the promo code COCKY. And, and since we do honesty, Chris, I'm going to tell everybody that um, I 
I saved you. You had a mute there, and I I saved you so quick that um, you didn't even realize that you were muted when you first started talking. I didn't. I didn't. I did see it, and I thought I clicked. We might have clicked it at the same time because we we've been working together for too long, or for long enough. Too long sounds bad. I didn't mean it that way, Wes. Mm, okay, but, sure. Wait, we, Chris and I text each other the same jokes now. Is how scary yeah. it is. Um, Pretty bad. Did uh, Did you pick up your Primal Gourmet? um order for this week yet it is a good one it's a really good one i'm not gonna spoil it you know what if you want to find out what's on the menu go to primalgourmetsc.com i don't know if the menu for this week is is still live because they end up changing it but you need to go check it out they do have i'll give you one they've got the caribbean jerk chicken thighs on there with the island sauce wow absolutely yep USC Light has a question for you, too, on our Primal Gourmet chat line. Well, when you say they, uh, not the ones I'm thinking of. I don't know if they have, like, the winter wool socks. Go check. DeadSoxy.com, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Check out their catalog. Don't know if they've expanded to those, but they definitely have athletics, no-shows, the dress socks. I mean, they, they got a ton of stuff, so it's possible. All right, y'all, that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow we'll talk coordinators. Thursday we'll have a guest. Friday we'll probably be live from Market on Main again, hopefully. And I might have a guest for that as well. One of my good buddies actually that I went to USC with covers Auburn. And uh, she works behind the scenes doing video. And I think she's going to come out. Uh, with us to market and and talk a little bit about this Auburn team as well, because she's going to be in town covering the game. So we we got a lot going on this week, a lot to talk about, a lot of people to talk to. We'll have our Auburn guest on Thursday, and uh, it'll be good. Looking forward to it. Appreciate all of you for the support. Appreciate the chat, and appreciate uh, all of our sponsors, Mortgage Network, our buddy Clint Hammond, Primal Gourmet, Dead Soxie. All of you make the show possible, and we appreciate every last one of you. Until tomorrow, uh, we'll see you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.